the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome or welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci, and I'm so glad you're able to join me on the program. And, of course, I say that this is the program. Crosswalk is the intersection of Christian faith and Christian living. This is where doctrine meets duty and belief meets behavior. This is the program with you in mind where we try to ask and find answers to the questions that you care the most about. And sometimes I get to ask questions about things that I care about. And joining me is Bern Baldessari. She's the founder, executive director of Stepping Stone. And Stepping Stone is a service and a ministry right here in the Front Range. And uh, she is a graduate of Chatfield Senior High School and CSU. And so, Bern, tell us a little bit about I know that you go to school, like every human being, you pick a major and you happen to pick human development and family studies, but there was some point where you thought, who am I and what am I going to do with my life? How did the dream of stepping stone enter into your consciousness? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like I, so I went to Chatfield Mm -hmm. High School and I got involved in the unified basketball program Mm -hmm. and just got became good friends with a lot of the individuals with developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. So when I went up to CSU, I, I knew I wanted to work with that population, but I didn't know exactly how. Mm -hmm. And so I took all the prereqs to go to occupational therapy school, Mm -hmm. but throughout that, I had just some unique experiences where I was working with the adult population. And I just realized how much I I loved engaging with them from an adult perspective, because mm-hmm. I was going through that same time in my life of graduating, you know, you're dating, mm-hmm. you might want to get married, you're getting a job, all that stuff. And I, I so wanted to engage that population in the same things that I was able to experience, but saw that not a lot of the individuals were having those same opportunities. And so um, just through a bunch of different connections, my internship, and then Lexi, who was one of my good friends from Chatfield High School, her mom, Barb, mm-hmm. um, loved that woman. She mentored me and helped me with so many things. We started Stepping Stone. Um, so it was my senior year of college. We started that process and we got approved the the fall after I graduated. And yeah, it's been about 10 years. Can and you it's, believe that? It's crazy. Yeah. And I think about how you started out, you know, you talk about um, modestly. Uh, I, I, you, you have a, a special video um, that uh, can be found at, at, at steppingstonesquarespace.com. Um, and um, telling a little bit about the story. Tell me a little bit about um, some of the unique challenges that you have. I read an interesting statistic that said globally there's some 337,000 people with developmental disabilities. So this is not just in the United States of America. There's there's a global population. Oh yeah. And and uh, some of the the unique challenges uh, and it's you talk about it at, at your website that 
that there's not a whole lot of provision. What did did that did the fact that there was very little provision did that begin to to form in your in your mind the idea of the very s- name stepping stone? You're going from one yeah. place to another. Did it? Did that help you begin to coalesce in your mind? What am I going to do with these individuals? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it helped me because I was friends with a mm-hmm. lot of them. And so I was seeing the actual struggle right there of of calling me every day while I'm at school because they're just at home and they mm-hmm. don't have a lot of stuff to do. Um, and so at the time that we started, the funding was um, there was waiting lists mm-hmm. for years and years. You get on it at 14, but you're eligible at 18. But, you know, people weren't even getting the two waivers through Medicaid that we bill through um, until their you know mid twenties or later, and so we were trying to fill that gap with mm-hmm. the sister nonprofit and providing some of that funding. Now Colorado's come really far, and so people can get that funding sooner, at least for one of the waivers. But it's yeah, it honestly, for lack of a better term, it has been a stepping stone for us, even as a company, mm-hmm. to kind of see okay, I'm seeing the need at that time of people getting engaged and having purpose and productive stuff to do. And so we started our on site program, and we have a co op, and they run a coffee shop, a food bank, they sure. make products and um, and stuff like that. And I've then watched them, I've yes. watched them operate in the in the cafe and the food bank. Yeah, so it's been awesome to kind of see. So that was like our first step, and then it was. Okay, now people need help with cooking, cleaning, laundry, household care in the home, or parents need respite. You know, if if when people naturally you graduate at 18, sure. you go off and do that. But a lot of the families, they don't have that luxury to have their individuals be able to be home alone and stuff like that. And so then we expanded to that. And then, oh, you know, they want to find a job. And so we have job coaching services. Mm-hmm. And now we do residential supports where we can help people live in a host home or family caregiver, independent living settings. Um And then it's all the things of like, you go out with your friends and go to bowling or do fun stuff. Well, a lot of our individuals don't have those opportunities to do that with their peers because it's, you know, a paid provider and all of that stuff. So we've tried to create fun opportunities for them to get engaged and stuff like that. And this is interesting to me because you talk about at Stepping Stone, there is a voice that I hear from people with learning disabilities or developmental disabilities. That's autonomy and independence, but it's an autonomy and independence that also includes community. Yeah. So you talk about I'm, I'm an individual and I want some measure of autonomy. Yeah. But I also want some measure of community. So you 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 talk about autonomy, community, and safety. Yeah. Because people with disabilities are a, an at-risk population. Yeah. And so. It's now blending those things together to have an, a, a meaningful experience for the individual. Yes, I, that's such a great way to put it. I feel like, and it's it's just like you and I. Mm-hmm. I, I think people just are like, oh, it's this population, and no. but it's just like, what would you want? You want to have your own independence, and you know who is Gino as Gino, but then you have your community at large, mm-hmm. and. What does that look like? And everybody's unique. Everybody's different. And so being able to help engage, it's a person-centered services is a big thing that we talk about in the state of Colorado and stuff. But it's like, what does this individual need? And it might, it's definitely not the same as, you know, this 
one and, and helping them figure that out and getting them with the right services, I think is so important and they do have a voice. And so you want to listen to where they're at. And sometimes they've been told this is what you're doing. And so they defer, they look at their parents, what, you know, should I be doing sure. this? And so trying to empower them back to like, no, but what do you want? And, and that's okay. And how can we support you in getting that? So. I call it delight directed learning. Yeah. Delight direct directed learning. And I noticed that at stepping, so I got, I've got a couple of questions. One of the questions that I, I wanted to ask you is obviously there, are, there might be moms and dads um, who are listening right at this very moment and their child or adult child has a developmental disability, a learning disability, something that makes it very difficult. Yeah. And and how how do people get involved? How do they find out about Stepping Stone? And how to can they do? They just call you or yeah. and ask about your services? Yeah, if you go, you can go to SteppingStoneSupportCenter.com, dot com, and that mm -hmm. has all of our info and our contact info and stuff. But we can guide them through. I mean, we mainly work with adults eighteen and up, but we can get them connected with local community center sure. boards that oversee the funding and stuff. So yeah, we, we, I love talking to families and trying to help them navigate the system because it's hard to sure. figure that out. So yeah, definitely reach out to us in that way and we're happy to help navigate it. We're going to have more with Bryn, Bryn when we come back. Bryn Baldessari, who I always remember as Galaseski. <laughs> yeah, my maiden name. Yes, but... It's okay. She's a grown lady. She's somebody's mom. <laughs> this is Gina Geraci. I'll be right back. <laughs> hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gina Geraci. And, of course, I'm talking with Bryn Baldassari. She is the executive director, founder, if you will, of Stepping Stone Support Center. And we were talking a little bit about some of the challenges, but some of the wonderful opportunities that Stepping Stone provides. And before we continue our conversation, Bryn, I, again, I want to uh, give you an opportunity to tell people how they can reach you. How can they find you? And they're listening right now and they're saying, hey, I'm one of those people. We seem to have tapped out of our options. Where can I go to get help? Yeah. I would say our website is probably mm -hmm. the best first step. Right. I mean, I would give out my cell, sure. but maybe no, that's no, not don't do the that. Just <laughs> yeah, give out the. We can start <laughs> yeah. with this. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, steppingstonesportcenter.com, singular stone, steppingstonesportcenter.com, and yeah, you can find our number and contact us and just see the services we provide. Or I'm I, I'm super passionate about talking with families to just get them connected with the right fit, even if it's not stepping stone. So. Uh -huh. Definitely reach out to us, and um, yeah, if you are a family with a you know a, an adult child with a disability, or even a, a you know a child under eighteen, it, it you're not alone. There's a lot of parents in mm -hmm. your world. We have parent caregiver support group meetings, and I I think it's just so important going back to that community word. It's one of our values is to get in in touch with the community, whether you're a parent to parent and getting the, the individuals connected with peers and stuff. But you can't do life alone. You have to, to do it in community. And, and we have a really great community at Stepping Stone and amazing families and parents that would love to come around and help support others. Now, Bryn, I've also noticed that on the disability spectrum, it, it's a very wide spectrum from, yeah. um, from people in wheelchairs to people who are ambulatory to people who are uh, 
more functional and less functional. Yeah. And it's it seems to me that at Stepping Stone, you have this spectrum yeah. and that people in that community work on that spectrum as well. Yeah, I think so. We do specifically provide Medicaid waiver services and the mm-hmm. way that you qualify for those are having a diagnosed intellectual and developmental disability. So oftentimes that's an IQ below 70 uh-huh. or there's an adaptive test you can take and at, you know, three mm-hmm. out of the five categories you need support in. So generally for people to qualify for at least bill- us billing Medicaid waiver services, that's what they qualify for, whether mm-hmm. they're in a wheelchair, you know, Down syndrome, autism, cerebral palsy. But we we do private pay, so if somebody feels like they connect with our community and they want to come, they're welcome to. But it is a spectrum, and you do have individuals who are incredibly independent and don't always want to identify with that community, right. but they are in that community. And so we have a group of individuals that are in that realm, and it's like, okay, maybe the program's not the best fit for you because you don't like to feel like you're in that Mm-hmm. grouping but let's get you set up with a one-on-one mentor or you know get you in a job where you're around mm-hmm. other peers that you don't you know that don't have an intellectual and developmental disability and and you can more connect with so and one of the things you had a video and several parents came on and my heart went out to them because I have a cousin who has a, div- a learning disability pretty profound and um, I have an aging aunt and uncle, and they get deeply concerned that as their child ages and now becomes 40 and 50 and 60, um, that they, they get deeply concerned, what what is going to happen to my child when I'm gone? You also talked about the crisis of housing, that housing is a, is a problem for everyone in the state of Colorado, but it's specifically a problem for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's two waivers for adults with developmental disabilities. The, the longer waiting list mm-hmm. is the, it's called the DD or the comprehensive waiver. And that one does help cover more funding for a caregiver, but they still live off of their social security to pay their room and board, which they get around seven seventy nine a month. Mm-hmm. And how can you pay rent on seven seventy nine a month? And so there's different models in the residential world. You can live in a host home, you live with your family or an into into uh, an apartment. And but I mean, I don't know statistics well, but there's okay. there's a lot of individuals that are currently live on a waiver, but have their caregivers are over 60. And mm-hmm. so when you think about down the road, those individuals aren't able to live with their parents. They need somewhere to go. And so mm-hmm. that, there's a lot of pressure on agencies to find those options for them. And the, the rent in Colorado is definitely going up and up and up. The social security amount isn't going up. And so we're trying to figure out creative ways. Barb, who I had mentioned earlier, she and a group of parents and now professionals, it's an amazing project, Trailhead Community. They are in the process of building a residential facility for people with and without disabilities to live in tandem in a, a housing um, unit together. So it's about 84 units, so people with and without wow. disabilities. And it's over, it's not too far from us. And mm-hmm. so that's an option. But I mean, they they just held a conference where t- people came from all over the United States because it's a need in general. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think just if you are passionate or interested in opening up your home as a host home provider, mm-hmm. I mean, we're all constantly looking for those options because not everybody can live in an apartment and live independently or 
you have a passion for working with this community, we're always looking for providers that can help support with just hope, cooking, cleaning, laundry, household care, or empowering the individual to learn that. And I couldn't help but notice that your community is growing. Yes, yes. And because it's, it's a need. I mean, right. there's consistently more and more individuals coming out of transition programs and high schools that need these services. And so it was something that I never imagined 10 years ago when mm-hmm. we had opened that it would get this big. But as I'm seeing it, I'm, I'm seeing, I mean, it's just going to keep growing and, and there's a need for so many supports. And again, everybody's unique and individual. And so trying to figure out how to do that with quality over quantity, but the need is growing. It's, it's definitely, it's, it weighs on me a lot because I want to serve as many sure. people well as we can, but there's more and more people that are coming that need support. And, you know, I think as a pastor about giving age appropriate instruction, and now I'm thinking about people with disabilities giving appropriate instruction based on that disability. You talk about mental, emotional, community, physical needs. Um, At Stepping Stone, has it ever come up where people, you you sense also a spiritual need to to connect with a church or a church family or a church home? Oh, yeah. And, 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 um, and, and, and again, the, the, it's been my experience that people with disabilities might be the most open to a loving God who deeply cares about them. Yeah, we have a lot of individuals that we serve. And we don't, you know, again, we want to respect where everybody's coming from and sure. stuff. But the individuals who have expressed that, I mean, we've held, because we've had a big amount of individuals, we've held a Bible study club and stuff like that. Um, but there are and it's some fun. Yes, exactly. My mom used to teach that and she loved uh, it was one of her favorite things. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like connecting people with the church community has been great. And I, the word community comes back. I mean, they want to find a place where they can belong and be loved. And they this population, if if you haven't interacted with it much, I mean, you cannot feel more loved when you're around this population. Mm-hmm. And I think they truly embody the essence of Jesus's love and just acceptance. And I think that's just been a huge journey for me and in, in interacting with everyone. And, and isn't that interesting? Because we have social, yeah. cultural filters. Yeah. But people with disabilities often don't have those filters, so they feel free to love you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. I just, I think I am the luckiest person to get to work with this population and I learn so much from them every single day. So well, let's give out the website one more time, Bryn. It's steppingstonesupportcenter.com. <laughs> and come and check us out. We we have a coffee shop Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 9 to 1130 at Calvary South Denver. Yes, so. 9052 West King Carl. Come over, get a cup. Come get a cup of coffee from our coffee shop. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you are welcome. See, <laughs> wasn't it fun? <laughs> yes. Wasn't it way more fun than you thought it was Yes, be? definitely. <laughs> this is Gino Geraci. I'll be back. Hey, welcome. This is Gino Geraci. I had a great conversation with Bren at Stepping Stone. And you can, again, find out more about Stepping Stone at steppingstone.com dot squarespace.com 
And again, if you'd like to join me on the program, the number is 303-873-1935. Over the years, of course, get asked lots of questions about, um, well, whether you're talking about disabilities and it leads to certain questions like, why does God allow people to be disabled or handicapped? And, and um, what does the Bible say about parents who are dealing with uh, people with children, family members who are disabled or handicapped? And that's a separate question, which I'm happy, happy, happy to talk about. But again, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. Another question that I get asked, do mentally ill people go to heaven? And that's a different question from developmental disabilities. Um, so again, when we talk about, I think, uh, you know, how should a Christian parent respond if a child has a learning disability. And it seems today more and more parents, and especially in our culture, are saying my child has a disability or a learning disability. In Western society, more and more children are being identified, uh, you know, with um, attention deficit disorder or being diagnosed or afflicted with autism or some kind of mental condition or some kind of developmental condition. And Bryn, of course, talked about that there are measures and standards, if you will, as people begin to ask and answer the question about how do we identify and how do we respond and how do we deal with people with varying degrees of disability. And, of course, um, people who have struggles that that people characterize as, as being either able or unable to, um, to function what some people are using air quotes normally. So this is a scary reality and believers aren't exempt from these things. How should believers respond when they have a child who has a learning disability, a developmental disability, the only lasting formula for responding to any issue living in our fallen world is to choose to walk by faith in the truth. Now, that might sound cliche. It might even sound trite. It might even sound oversimplified for parents who are desperately searching for answers. But for the believer, there is at least the beginning of the answer. And this is where, again, uh, People like Bryn and Stepping Stone, they offer such a wonderful service. But the believer has hope in God's grace through faith that the one true foundation that we can stand on when our child has a developmental disability, a mental or an emotional crisis that we can't fix that we can't make go away with a kiss or a Band-Aid. Obviously, if a child breaks a leg or an arm, a trip to the hospital can correct the break. And it's not left to heal on its own and be a lifelong issue that the child has to deal with. But our calling as parents is to nurture our children in the Lord in every aspect of their life. 
not for our convenience, but for their spiritual good. So if a child has a learning disability or has trouble maintaining attention or behaving um, in a socially acceptable way, we generate exercise as much love as we can for as long as we can. (laughs) There are resources available through dedicated organizations who literally have devoted their entire lives to the research, development, support for people with disabilities. And a great deal more is known about how children learn than ever before. And, of course, it was a very long time ago that I had my very first course in preschool child development. But for some, there's only the help and comfort of the church or the family to come alongside with resources and practical help. And that means we reach out and we do not isolate ourselves from God's people. And again, I think about the one anothering commands. And it's interesting to me when I look at the one another commands of scripture and I just do a very brief assessment um, about loving one another, about praying for one another, about encouraging one another, about building one another up, exhorting one another, instructing one another, teaching and admonishing one another, singing with one another, stirring up one another to love and good works, doing good to one another, serving one another, washing one another's feet, waiting for one another, being humble towards one another, submitting to one another, speaking the truth to one another, and not to judge one another or envy one another being at peace with one another, being kind to one another, bearing one another's burdens, comforting one another. The list goes on and on and on. And so conditions like autism are not a reflection on us as parents or the result of something that we did or we didn't do. And so, again, we minister, we care, we love 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Um, Cindy, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. How are you? I talked to you last week. (laughs) Yes. How are you? You know what? I'm doing good. I had fun with Bren, and it was fun being able to talk with her about the wonderful ministry that she provides with with people with learning disabilities. It's just pretty remarkable. Yeah. Well, um, I do have a question. I know I asked you about it last week, but we didn't have enough time. So I'm calling back. Okay. So the question is, I am a Trump supporter and a dear friend of mine who is a Biden supporter. We came to the agreement not to talk about politics. Um, because, of course, it doesn't get us anywhere but into a big argument, and then we're not talking for a week. Um, so she texted me and said 
that if Jesus was here today, right now, that he would welcome all the people, the migrants, illegals, whoever they are from wherever country they're coming from, he would welcome them in across coming across the border with open arms that yeah, Jesus I, loved everybody and that he was very yeah. humble. And I and here's what I would say. I would say I don't dispute that Jesus is loving and I don't dispute that Jesus is humble. But here's what I mm-hmm. do dispute. Would mm-hmm. did Jesus promote submission to the rule of law or breaking the law? Right. That's my second thing more. was telling so her was the law. Right, right. So there's there's a two different issues and 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 again we don't have to dis- disconnect them from one another. So mm-hmm. what what I, what I would say is how is it possible that you focus on compassionate care and I'm focusing on submission to the law but these two aren't mutually exclusive. Can right. we do both in a meaningful way? And right. So that's what I would basically say. I would say, hey, you know what? Happy to have this conversation with you, but we 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 have to separate our attitude about the act of entering the country legally and illegally from our attitudes towards the illegal immigrants themselves. So yeah, you're, we're going to talk some more when you come back. Okay. This okay. is so if you don't mind holding, I'm, I have a couple more things that I think we can add. This is Gino Geraci, and I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Talking with Cindy. And Cindy, again, you know, when you do have the opportunity to um, have a reasonable conversation, and, and yeah. you say, and you say, help me understand in what world Jesus asks people to break the law. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't then know how what, to put that into words, but you yeah, just helped me. <laughs> yeah, just and and then just say it that way. Now and and then again, but go one step further and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, but having said that, that doesn't mean that we're absent compassion, grace, love, mercy. The Bible is filled with instructions to demonstrate care for the poor and the destitute and the distressed. And so what I do is, as uncomfortable as this is for people, I place um, people into two different categories. One is the wicked poor and the oppressed poor. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. Just because someone does something wicked, they break the law and they get arrested. Does that mean we have no jail ministries? We have no prison ministries. We we don't exercise love and compassion. No, we go to the prison. We do, we start Bible studies. We tell mm-hmm. people about God and the love of God. Well, what if they've committed murder? We point out the fact that David committed murder and Moses committed murder. Right. That it's possible that people mur- murderers can hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. Well, am I suggesting that people who cross the border illegally are murderers? No. What I'm suggesting is that they're lawbreakers, but even as lawbreakers, we can exercise compassion, grace, and mercy. So imagine you're talking to your friend and you say, hey, 
if my husband beat me with a baseball bat, would mm-hmm. you call the cops and would you feel bad about him being arrested? Do you think oh, it's a good idea? What? Yeah. She would, would call, call the, the cops. Yeah. yeah. And and would she say, "Hey, would you be willing to to minister and love and have mercy and compassion towards my husband while he's in jail waiting his sentence?" Right. So the first obligation of the Christian, here's the first obligation, is we go, hey, you got it all wrong. I believe that all human beings are made in the image of God. I believe that Jesus loves them and died for them. And I believe that my first obligation as a Christian is to express Christ's likeness in what I think and what I say and what I do. That means there's no room for hatred towards illegal immigrants. People who are coming here for work, they're refugees from danger and persecution. They want a better life for themselves. I get that. But what I don't get is breaking the law in order to accomplish what might be a meaningful and important um, goal. So here's what I would say. Should we exercise compassion towards those who risk their lives and they illegally try to cross the border? Yeah. Yes. Um, Are acts of hatred or violence towards illegal immigrants, is that a good thing? No, it's a bad thing. So how do we respond in the same way we do with everyone? With love and compassion, but we also instruct people to obey the law. So here's what we do. We never do anything to promote, enable, excuse illegal immigration. But we do everything that we can to demonstrate the love of Jesus to the illegal immigrants themselves. Okay. And she she might say, well, that's not enough. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, imagine it's like well, the world in which we live in where a person says, you need to say that homosexuality is good and noble and um, and and it's it's a part of human flourishing. And you go, mm-hmm. actually, I think it's a sin. And it's evidence mm-hmm. that something has gone horribly and terribly wrong. Just like if you ask me if adultery is a good idea or... Um, sexual promiscuity is a good idea. These are all bad ideas. But do I love my adulterer friends and my promiscuous friends and my homosexual friends? I love them all. Right. But but you know what I do with them all? I love them. Here's how, Here's what love does. It confronts them with their sin. It asks them to repent and to trust Christ in spite of their sin. I do that, and I, they're telling me that I'm judging, that here, everybody and, sins differently. Everybody sins say. different. Mm-hmm. And here's what you say. I, I don't dispute that everyone's sin is is different. What I dispute is what you're suggesting, that it's that we don't repent and we trust Christ. See, I don't hear that in the conversation. If, mm-hmm. in, in, in the sin that you're describing, and all of it's different, in your way of thinking, at what point do you ask the sinner to turn from their sin and trust Christ? Yeah. So, yeah. so but yeah, we don't, isn't that good? That we don't have to get yeah. angry about this. 
Right. But they're saying, okay, but if they love each other, two gays or two lesbians, if they love each other and they're happy and they're not bothering anybody, then they don't think it's a crime. They don't think it's a sin. Well, here's what I would say. I would say, you know what? Who gets to determine if something is a crime or a sin? And so you're asking a really important question. On what basis do we think lying is wrong, stealing is wrong, um, cheating on our husband or wife is wrong, murder is wrong? On, on what basis do we characterize anything as being right or wrong or good or evil? Mm-hmm. I, and I would ask them, how do you make that decision? On what basis do you make the decision that something's right or wrong? good or evil. Because according to the Bible, here's what I'm asked to do. You're exactly right. The Bible forbids judgmentalism. But you know what? It also says, judge a righteous judgment. The Bible asks me to try to determine between right and wrong and good and evil. Oh, by the way, the Bible also asks me to judge sinners in the church. The Bible doesn't ask me to judge sinners outside of the church. I only have one Mm -hmm. message for sinners outside of the church. Repent of your sin and trust Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, what else? No, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to your friends? Repent of your sin and trust Christ. What do you say to your adulterer friends? Repent of your sin and trust Christ. What do you What do you say to the thief? Trust Christ. Repent of your sin. Trust yeah, Christ. What do you say to the murderer? Well, uh, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And oh, by the way, repent and trust Christ. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, let me ask you. So, does Jesus? Does God hear all prayers? I mean, even if, if someone has not repented, does He hear all prayers? Well, I guess. I guess the way I would answer that question is he's under no obligation to hear all prayers. He is under an obligation to hear this prayer. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. What I've done is wrong. I need help. Please, Mm -hmm. Jesus, help me. The Bible says that that God will hear that prayer. Does God hear the prayer of the person who says, God, um, I'm about to kill somebody or I'm about to rob a liquor store? Please yeah. bless it. And and he might hear the prayer, but he's not going to honor it. Oh, gotcha. Prayer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, God okay. is not, he, he so he's, an, he's a sovereign God who knows everything about everything, mm-hmm. but he, he has All no right. obligation to support, encourage, or Perfect. bless sin. Thank you. Thank you Isn't so that much. Interesting. That's awesome. We have a great God. Yeah, we do. Hey, thank you for joining me. Thank you. This is Gina Geraci. I'll be, Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow taking your calls, answering your questions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.